Welcome to the Living Hope Parent Gathering podcast. The Parent Gathering is a weekly meeting of parents who are being trained for family discipleship through instruction and small group discussion. Listen now as we share with you what we taught students this past Sunday morning. All right. If you if you go to Romans six, um, there's a there's a there's a lot there. Um, I want to I want to read um, a couple verses that I think really kind of summarize it well. Um, Romans, the first part of Romans is kind of laying out the gospel and laying out what it means to to follow Christ and a lot of what happens there um, when we when we come to uh, to to belief in Him. And so. Um, John chapter six, I'm sorry, Romans chapter six. I want to go to verses five through nine because I think it it serves as a pretty good pretty good summary of what um, this this chapter talks about. It says, "So if we have been united with Him, Him being whom Sunday school answer, Jesus, right in His death, we certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His." We know that our old self, our old nature, is crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to be nothing, so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died to sin is set free from sin. For now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also are alive with him. And so there's a couple things to, to know. The first one is that as, if, if we are a believer in Jesus, if we are a, a someone who has moved from, from death to life, we, we are dead to sin and alive to God. The main idea is that we're no longer slaves to sin. We no longer have to sin. If your child has has made a profession and is following after Christ, you should have seen a difference at the, at the time that they said, I, no, I want to follow after Jesus. I want Jesus to forgive my sins. There should have been a, a difference. Now, what you would want to be this magical process in which they would immediately move from completely unrepentant, pagan, terrible child to Jesus himself, right? Now, that doesn't happen immediately, but it's a... A process and, and the, the reality is that when we have accepted the gospel that our old nature has died so that so that we no longer have to just sin before your child accepts Jesus as Savior they are a professional sinner you do not have to train them I know fathers you did not take your child aside and say look I need you to be as disrespectful to your mother as possible right but that just happens, right? They're like, like, wait, why, 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 no? Why are you treating her like that, right? Mothers, you didn't, you didn't take your child aside and say, look, I'm gonna teach you the art of sass right now. I'm gonna teach you how to back talk and how to be belligerent, right? That naturally happened, right? You brought home this, this little bundle of joy, which was beautiful, and you took pictures, and then things started happening. You know what I'm talking about, you have children. Right? That's their old nature. That's, that's hardwired. You didn't need to train that. You did not need to teach that. But, but this passage is telling us when we come to Christ, that old nature is, we're no longer slave to that nature. We can be alive in Jesus. And so it doesn't have to, to be that way. And some of the battles that we fight in our house are not... Physical battles, although you would like sometimes to hold them down and hurt them physically. 
But a lot of the battles in our home, they're spiritual battles. They're wrestling with the truth of potentially of the gospel or they're wrestling with, with what do I want to do? What's, what, what's, what's my nature here? What am I going to do? And so the reality here is that when, um, it, so when, we're, when we're united with Jesus, we are able to have life. That old nature is no longer our, our master. And then we have this, this option. And Jason talked a lot about this morning, this of choosing to serve, to serve God. And, and that our old nature is dead and we're alive to God. We've moved from death to life. Secondly, as believers, we are to present ourselves as instruments of righteousness. We are to be used as a tool of God and a tool of what He desires for us rather than what is evil. And we have this opportunity to seek what is right. But too often, we are freed from sin and death. We have a new nature, and then we run back to the old nature. We run back to death. We run back to bondage when we don't need to. So we are to, to present ourselves as instruments of, of righteousness. Our, we are to be involved in goodness. We are to be involved in God's work of His kingdom in this world. Have you ever wondered why, at the moment of salvation, God doesn't say, oh, fantastic, and just come and be with me, and we don't immediately get transported to heaven? Part of me would think that would be glorious, wouldn't it? Right? Oh, good. He got it. He understands. Great. Let's, let's bring you up to heaven. Well, the reason is, is there's a, a mission for us. There's a reason that we're here. As long as we are, are living and breathing, there continues to be a mission for us. I remember talking to a, to a woman recently who was, who was older and her husband had passed and she was just like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not really sure kind of why. I said, well, you're here because God has something for you. There's a reason for you to still, to still be here. There's a reason for us to be here. And the reason is, is that God is saying, look, present yourselves as an instrument of righteousness. Be a tool of, of what is good and what is, and what is right. I was blessed this past weekend. Um, I, it's only a week ago, but it feels longer. Have you guys ever had that experience as parents where like a week goes by and you look back and you go, wait, that was last Sunday. That feels like a month ago. We could start a group for just that. Like time is going both super fast and super slow at the same time. So anyways, last, last weekend we had the opportunity. We got together as, as different student ministries in town and, and middle school and high schoolers came together. But part of what we did was we served in our community. And so middle schoolers went to Curbside, which by the way is a fantastic ministry. They, they do work with some, some, some kids over... Um, on the other side of town, um, that a lot of them are, are refugees and internationals, and so it's a great, it's a great ministry. So some middle schoolers went there, and they, they did some cleaning. Yes, middle school kids clean clean things. Now, not in our homes, <laughs> but clearly they are able to clean things because we have pictures. We saw witness. Look, it's cleaner. And so they cleaned some things up. They worked with the kids there. The um, high schoolers went to two spots. One, they did some visiting with um, <clears throat> some some policemen and firefighters, but then also visited uh, uh, the, some of the Afghans that have been been sent here that are that are refugees. And so it was just a great blessing to be able to be involved in. This is what God is doing to be involved in in goodness. We we just one quick story. We went to uh, this one fire station and we said hey we just appreciate what you guys are doing so we brought you some next and we just wanted to know if we could pray for you if there's a way that some things going on right now that we could we could pray for 
And this one young man looked at us and he went, I don't really know what you mean. I'm like, okay, um, prayer, uh, let me back that up. Uh, we're going to talk to God and ask him for some things uh, and, and communicate with him. Is there something that we could ask God for you? He kind of looked at us again. Here's a young man who had never had anyone talk to him about prayer. And then as, as he was, we was talking a little bit, another guy came down and, and, and we were able to have, he's like, oh, I know what you mean. And so we were able to have a conversation and we prayed with them. And, and so that's what we're designed for. We're designed to be able to do the work of, of ministry. And so we are to present ourselves as, as instruments of righteousness. And so a, a question that you can have in your home is, hey, are, are we like presenting ourselves and running after things of goodness or are we running after the other side of things? And so we are to be instruments of, of righteousness. And then the last one, believers are to be are free to serve God rather than serve, serve sin. And so I, Romans 6, there's a ton to it. I encourage you to, to spend some time in it and be asking your children, hey, what did you learn today? What did you get, did you get out, of that, uh, out of that time? And so as we shift over to the, to the training side, let me ask you this question. Um, it's a question for you to either reflect on. Um, if your spouse is here, you guys can discuss it. Um, and the question is this, what can your family do to increase your involvement in things of righteousness? What can you do to, to serve things of righteousness rather than um, some of the things of the world? And so just, I'll just give you a moment to kind of think about that. Because I think what happens in my mind is I go, yeah, that's a really good thing I need to think about. And then I never do because the next thing came. And someone's hurting someone. And there's a mess that immediately emerged. So take a little bit of time and just think about and, and discuss with your spouse if they're, if they're here what, uh, what you can do to kind of ratchet up the, the things of righteousness in your home. So. Hopefully you'll uh, continue to have some, some conversation along, along those lines. Over the next couple weeks, we want to um, try to equip you and train you a bit in some of those um, kind of difficult conversations that may come up in your home. Um, we are by no means thinking we, in the next three weeks, we're going to completely handle these situations and give all the information that you're going to need, but we want to just try to help equip you along, along the way in some of the conversations that you'll have um, in your home. And, and none of them are, uh, are easy. So this week we're going to talk about um, <clears throat> helping children who have experienced divorce. Um, the next two weeks are going to be issues of transgenderism and homosexuality. And so these are things that even at a young age, there are preschool programs, there's, there's old conversations about education and, and should curriculum be in mandated and included and all those sorts of things. And so whether we want to or not, these conversations are coming and our children will be asking these questions. So we want to be able to, to focus on um, uh, on those things, and so, um, so Pat Connery has said that each divorce is the death of a small civilization. Two people declare war on each other, and their screams and tears, terror, and the days of withdrawal infect the entire world with the bactil of their pain. There are no clean divorces. Divorces, she said, should be conducted in slaughterhouses or surgical wounds, blood banks, or funeral homes. Unfortunately, this is a reality in our world. I don't need to give you a lot of statistics and say 
X number of marriages are ending, et cetera, et cetera. You are aware of that. Your children know children who are facing divorce. And so we want to look at the question today of how do we help the children who are experiencing difficult times? Um, often your children are going to be some of the ones on the front lines to be able to do that. Because often schools or as they're, they're, they're playing a sport or whatever, the, the things kind of come up. And so they may come home and they might have questions. Or they may have, you know, we, so we want to be able to help you to, to equip, equip them. Um, and so today I want to I look at what, what, the, what that looks like. And so my, my prayer for each of us is that God would, would be at work in our homes and that we would have a, have a home that would um, be free from divorce, but I recognize that for some that doesn't, that doesn't happen. And, and so, but we're gonna focus on, on the kids. And so the first thing is that we need to recognize. And we talked about this two weeks ago when I was here, um, that children often feel the effects of the sin of, our par of their parents. When I come home, and I'm agitated, I'm irritated, I'm obnoxious. My kids notice magically. I don't know. I'm, somehow I affect them in certain ways. And that's true, right? There, there's good effects. When we're doing well, right? Our kids benefit from that. But other times, our kids feel the, the hurt of that, of that side. And, and so... Um, the Lord, the, God's word speaks of this, Exodus 34, 6. It says, the Lord visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The natural consequences of our sin are often felt by those who are close to us. They feel it. We are in a, a sinful world and when we fall short, our children notice it. Now, it's easier for us as parents to go, you know what, well, my kid is obnoxious, my kid is sinful. I notice that. That bothers me, right? But the other side is, is true as well. And so recognize that often children are affected by their parents in a way that's not really their fault, in a way that they're just kind of downstream stream from that. And so um, the second thing to understand is that no two stories are the same. I did a, a survey um, of, of, of just a handful of people who I know and I'm close to who have had divorce in their, in their family. And I, and I just asked some basic questions about, hey, what's your story? What would you, what are some things that you would think I should share, et cetera? And as they shared their story, one thing was really apparent really quickly. They were all very different. So there's no one formula. There's no one story of it's exactly like this every time. And every kid is different. So know that, the, that children will react in different ways at different times for reasons that we may, we may not know. So there are no, there are no two that were even, even the same. I want to help us understand that generally um, that children respond at, at different, <coughs> differently at different developmental mental stages. So preschool children have memories and need concrete information. Some people believe that, you know what, little kids, they don't have memories but studies have been done that three-year-olds have memories of what happened when they were when they were two 
Um, studies have been found that, that some of these memories linger on. And by the time they're a little older, they may forget some of the events, but they may have this lingering emotions. They may experience trauma or about certain places or certain people for, for reasons that they don't really understand why. Toddlers may act out. Um, if, if, if they're picking up on symptoms of divorce, they may throw more tantrums, they may be fussier. If a parent isn't around, they may become more clingy to the, to the to parent that, they, that they're with. Sometimes they'll emotionally, like developmentally regress. And so they'll have made a certain progress to a certain point, and then you're like, wait, whoa, they're, they're backing up. They're, making a, they're regressing in certain developmental markers. This may be... Maybe some of why. For, for a toddler, they recognize that something that was normally there is, is gone. If the parents are fighting in front of the child, they can experience um, trauma. Children ages kind of three to six, they're going to start to ask more questions. They aren't ready for this deep discussion about what happens between adults. They are asking questions more like, so where am I going to be? Which, which parent is moving? Where am I going to live? When am I going to see mom? When am I going to see dad? What's this going to look like? What's my new life going to gonna look like. Um, elementary age kids um, often feel powerless. Generally by the time that children learn of their parents divorce, it's happening. And parents will often hide from their, their, some of their troubles from the kids because they don't want to want to traumatize them. They don't want to work out their problems. They want to try to work them out without bringing their kids into it. Each of us do not bring our kids into every conflict that we have with our spouse. I hope not. Like you know what? Your mother keeps leaving her shoes right in the doorway, right? Go talk, you know, that's, a, that's an issue between two people, you know, like the, they pick up on things, but, but they, we try to, to leave them, them out of those things. Oftentimes when kids experience divorce, they turn to school to express their frustrations. And I think this is the same is, is true of church. It's at school or at church where they are able to express how they're feeling. Um, and even some conflicts with the parents. I was sitting at, at dinner on Wednesday night and sitting you know, with a high school guy and it, the subject of his dad came up. And he said, my dad is about the most uptight guy you will ever meet. Okay, it got heavy really quickly. But that was a, a, a place that he feels safe to be able to say, hey, me and my dad, not so good. Right? And so often at school or at church. And so your, your children will hear some of these things. They'll experience some of these things and they'll say, hey, so-and-so at school was really upset. Oh, what's going on? Are they hurt? Are they okay? No, their parents are going through stuff. And kids are like not sure what to do with that information. But yet they share it with their friends first because they feel safest with their friends. Because if I tell an adult, then they probably have to do something and say something and my parents might find out. But they'll talk to their friends and they'll be like, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's, or, or I'm not going to be able to be there because I'll be with my dad or I'll be with my mom or, or those, those kinds of things. And so they, they may act out in different ways. Some elementary kids will withdraw, some will refuse to talk, some will become aggressive and kind of disobedient because they're just angry. And, and times they're going to try to gain control of their life and so they'll try to control something because they feel like other parts are, are out of control. Older kids sadly blame themselves. They understand the nuances of divorce more. They have peers who have divorced friends, peers who have divorced parents, or they understand that sometimes relationships don't work out, but, but they specifically need to know that each of their parents love them and care for them despite the, 
the divorce, that while their relationship is broken up, that, that they're going to have a relationship with each of them. The, the worst thing for a child is if after divorce, parents are not involved. And so you'll see, your kids will see some of the trauma in their friends when they're like, oh, I never see my dad or my mom or, or whatever. Or, oh, they live out of state or, you know, and so they, they, they experience that. And your kids will hear these things from their, from their friends. Um, middle school and high school, difficult. Nor under best circumstances, right? Most of us are not like, I really want to go back and relive my middle school years. When I was awkward and I was trying to figure out stuff and I didn't know who I was and I tried that thing with my hair that didn't really work and I didn't really know, right? We, and so if you add into a, a, some difficulty at home, it, it becomes worse. And, and, and your, your children are going to feel a level of, of compassion probably for their friends, but also a level of, of helplessness. So I had this conversation with my son recently. We learned of a, of a friend of his um, whose, whose parents are, are probably divorced and, and in some difficult situations. And, and at times he, he you know, kind of frustrated by that kid. But he says to me, but I really feel sorry for him now. I really feel for him now, you know? Um, and so your, your kids are kind of having some some experiences and, and some emotions in that. Um, also understand too that children of divorce are at higher risk for some other, some other issues and so there may be some other things kinda, kinda coming too. Children from divorced homes often suffer academically. They, they experience high levels of behavioral problems and their, their grades suffer and, and statistics say they're a little less likely to graduate from high school because that, that, st that stability is, is, is broken down. Children. Um, also, also have a higher chance, and again, these are risk factors. It's not like every child who is going through, um, his parents are going through a divorce, that they're going to drop out of school and, and be incarcerated and all these things, but they're just, they're higher, higher factors here. And we, we can understand that because some of the, the basis of their life is, is changing. Um, so they have higher chances for, for being incarcerated or being, or couldn't be in crime as a juvenile. Um, because custodial income drops sometimes, um, they have some more financial difficulties. And so there's some, some trouble there. Um, teens from divorced homes are more likely to engage in some risky behaviors. And so you, your, your child may have a friend that was a really good friend and a really good influence, and then things just start going sideways and they start running after things that they shouldn't run after. They start saying things that they didn't say before that they shouldn't say, and they start engaging kind of risky behaviors. And you're like, whoa, what's going on with your friend? And then you learn, oh, their parents are having problems. Their parents have split. He's not with, he doesn't see his dad anymore. He has a different relationship with his mom right now. He's back and forth weekend to weekend. And so you start to understand, okay, this is what's, what's, what's going on. Um, I listed some sources there on your, on your sheet, but, but I want to get to the, to the, the question that we're asking. Okay, great. Um, so what do we do to help? How can we as the church, how can we as individual families, how can we help our, our kids help the children of divorced parents? The first one is to be patient and full of grace with them. Their issues and challenges may not show up, right away. Each situation is different. Their reactions aren't the same. Many people um, d don't, may not recognize the, the issues at first and, and they may take years to, to uncover. So be patient and full of grace with them because you don't know what they're, they're experiencing. One of the people that I talk to 
about divorce. They're, they had experienced it as a child and felt like, man, I didn't have a lot of experiences with it. I didn't have a lot of baggage with it. I was, I was fine until I got to college. And then I realized, oh, oh, I do need to really deal with this. I do have some, some issues that I need to, to wrestle through. And these sometimes carry not just through, through adolescence and, and elementary, but into, but into adulthood. So be patient and, and gracious with, with them. Um, secondly, model a godly marriage. Most young people, if you talk to them, they want to be married, they want to have a family. And they want to stay together. They want their marriage to work. But they may not know what that looks like. They're like, I, I really want that, but I have no idea how to do it. I'm, I'm convinced that our Christ-centered marriages may be the one, one of the most effective ways of care and evangelism in this generation. Because they're going to look at us and go, look, our life is, is, is a train wreck, is, is a mess. We, we can't stay together. And you, you guys, I mean, and you fight, you've got issues, but, but you work them out and you're together and you love each other. Tell me, tell me about this. Some young people are skipping marriage, not because they don't value it, but because they don't believe they can do it. No, I want to be married. I want to have a happy marriage, but I don't think I can do it. So we're just going to kind of skip that, and we're just going to live together and all that, but, but because they value marriage, but they don't think they can, they can attain it. So model a, a godly marriage. Um, thirdly, help, help them feel normal. Children of, of divorce often feel out of, out of the ordinary and it's becoming more common, but they, they still feel kind of weird and, and out of place and, and they want to be like other kids and help them kind of achieve that goal. One person that I, I surveyed, I'm going to quote uh, what he wrote because I thought it was really good. He's, I said, what, did the church, what could the church do or what did the church do to help you in that, in that process? Because these are all young people that I think are doing pretty well, even though they've had some, some difficulties in their family. And here's what he said. He said, the, the church did what I believe was the best thing it, that it could have done for me. They treated me normally. The best thing people have done for me is also one of the saddest things about our society. Divorce is normal, about 41% of first-time marriages end in divorce. I didn't check his statistics. This is what he told me. Um, and I was told that I was a normal kid. I just happened to have divorced parents. You're not a different kid. You're not an unusual kid. You're a human being. You just happen to have this challenge in your life. Treat them like a, a normal kid. Fourthly, um, you may need to adopt them into your family. And by adopt them, I don't mean officially. I mean, give them access to your family. Let them be at your home. I would say give them refrigerator privileges, but I recognize that that's a risky proposition because I have a hard enough time keeping the refrigerator full in my home. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to others coming too, but like you just got to warn me because I might need to go restock, right? But, but there's a, a family I know that they had a, their, their son was a good, was a good friend of, a, of another young man whose, whose home life, frankly, was a mess. And if you were looking for this young man, he was probably at his friend's house. And what did he get to see there? What did he get to experience there? An intact family that loves Jesus and was going after things of God. And so you may need to kind of adopt them. You may need to kind of help them see what, what family looks like. You may need to do and say like dad things there's a, or mom things. There's a, there's a young woman who, who I know and she's come to me and she goes, I would, 
I would ask my dad this question, but I don't get to see him much, so can I, can I ask you this question? Absolutely. So you may need to like parent some kids who need some parenting that are connected to, to your kids. And that's where the body is going to need to come around those who are in need and say, look, we're going to be your kind of parents. Now, I have, I have good parents. I've been blessed by that. They, they've stayed together. But there are certain things that I've learned that my parents didn't teach me that were helpful to me. And I'm like, man, that's really helpful. You're like a, like a spiritual father or spiritual mother to me. And I was not willing to listen to my parent on this issue. It was on me. Like, I was not willing I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to have that conversation with my mom or with my dad. But there was another adult who spoke into my life and said, hey, this is something you need to look at. This is something you need to think about. This is something you need to really wrestle with. And in many ways, they were like a father or a mother to me. And so be willing to do that. Be willing to say to them, hey, I, 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 you may not know this. Let me show you how to Fill up the air in your tire to, to jumpstart your car, to balance a checkbook. I know we don't really do that, but like, like you know, figure out some of those basic financial things, how to like find a deal, how to shop, how to keep yourself organized, how to have a conversation face-to-face -face with someone that's not through a text that actually involves a small level of emotional connection rather than just, oh, I'll shoot them at texts. Not feeling anymore, sorry. Guess we're breaking up, right? So you may need to help teach them things. And don't blame the kid because they don't know. It may not be their fault. And we, I think we have an epidemic uh, of a generation of young people right now who <clears throat> have had some, some messy home lives and they don't know how to do things. So we're going to have to kind of teach them and train them how to do some of the basic things that we would say, well, didn't your parent ever teach you how to do this? No, they didn't. So be willing to, to adopt kids into your family. And you're going to have to be prayerful about that as a family and figure out who and how much can we do and what kind of boundaries we may need to keep. But be willing to do that as a family. And then lastly, live and and teach the gospel. There's so much to say here. The gospel is transformational. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. The work of the, of the resurrection, uh, death and resurrection of Jesus gives us life. We do not have to follow in the sins of our parents. We don't have to. Each of us know that our parents had certain shortcomings. We can make a list. Right? We know. And we don't necessarily want to follow in those shortcomings. We don't need to. Um, Leviticus 26, um, 40 to 42 says, so it's speaking of, of those who have had uh, families who have, who have sinned before, and it says, but if they confess their iniquity or their sin and the iniquity of their fathers, then their uncircumcised hearts will be crumbled and, and they can make amends for their injury and then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. He's talking to the, the children of Israel and he's saying, look, if, if those who have been in a pattern of, of generational sin, if they confess that, I can heal that and help them walk in what is new and right. So don't be afraid um, of 
of teaching and modeling the gospel. We don't have to be afraid, anxious, avoid conflict, have trouble connecting with people, be insecure about ourselves. Our parents' mistakes don't define us. Above all, we are a child of God. And we're to be the family of God. One of the, the terms that we use of the church is the family of God. And sometimes in the family, when there's some, some breakdowns in certain parts with, with the fathers and the mothers, the aunts and the uncles, spiritually kind of need to, to, to step in. And I know each of you would, would love for your child to be influenced by other adults and to fill in some of our shortcomings. And so we as a, as a body need to do that for, for others and to do that with compassion. Friends, this is easy. It's not easy. It's, it's emotional and it's, it's heart work. But that's the work of the church. That's the work of the body. Thanks for listening to the Parent Gathering Podcast. We invite you to join us at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in room 215, where we will have opportunities for discussion among other parents. For more information about Living Hope Next Gen Ministries, go to livehopeful.com.